Hi, I'm Charles Gossier, President and CEO of the Downtown Vancouver Business Improvement Association. We're proud to sponsor the Coping with COVID-19 daily podcast series this month and hope you've enjoyed the great video content produced by Business in Vancouver. I know that my team and I have found this series informative and helpful. Please help support our local businesses during these very challenging times. Whether it's buying a gift card from your favorite retailer or treating yourself to takeout from a local restaurant, your support is so important right now. Thanks everyone and stay strong. You're watching Coping with COVID-19. I'm Haley Wooden. Thanks for joining me. We'll get to our regular video interview in just a moment, but first a short news update. Today, BC's Provincial Health Officer, Dr. Bonnie Henry, confirmed another 53 cases of COVID-19 in BC. She also reported three new deaths since Saturday, all of which took place at long-term care facilities. The number of confirmed cases also since Saturday. She also said that given the province's modeling, there is some room for increased social interaction. And we know later this week, the Premier will provide an update on how BC plans to reopen its economy. Also today, the province extended the temporary layoff period in BC to 16 weeks from 13 weeks, which delays when temporarily laid off employees will become permanently laid off employees. The extension only applies to those who have been affected by COVID-19 and is not intended to be a permanent change to BC law. I'm Haley Wooden. Thanks for watching. Here's our video. This week, British Columbia will begin reopening its economy, but what the province's phased-in approach looks like is still unclear. We're waiting on that information. Grant Bishop is my guest today. He's the Associate Director of Research at the C.D. Howe Institute, which has recently published a report about what is needed for a resilient reopening of our national economy. He joins me today to talk about that. Grant, good to have you on the show. Thanks so much for joining me. Great to be with you, Haley. Now, I thought maybe we could start with how closely this economic reopening or restart is tied to our testing and tracing capabilities in Canada. What's the relationship between the two? Yeah, well, the reopening is about risk management and trade-offs. Um, and understanding the risks is critical to being able to manage them effectively as governments ease restrictions on uh, mobility and interaction, uh, economic activity. Of course, there have been real costs to shutting down the economy, um, costs to individuals' uh, incomes and well-being, um, psychologically and uh, for, for household spending uh, and an ability to maintain basic needs. And so moving back to restart as quickly as possible um, is a real pressing policy objective for governments. But of course, it has to be done uh, in order, well, in a way that uh, balances the uh, need for resumed economic activity with potential risks to human health and pressures on our healthcare systems. What we've spoken about in the last weeks is the need for government and transparency around preconditions for restart, 
focusing on the buffer capacity within the healthcare system and the state of transmission across the population. There are still things we don't know about the state of transmission uh, without kind of randomized uh, sampling of the population. There's a great probability that we're underestimating the number of cases out there. Therefore, doing testing more widely, more rapidly, is essential to economies being able to open and manage the risk uh, around expanding caseloads and uh, the consequent um, the consequent push to, for for healthcare systems. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. We heard, I believe, last week from Ottawa and the provinces on a shared set of guidelines, so to speak, around the criteria they plan to meet before they start reopening parts of the economy. Does that align with what you're hearing in terms of best practices, either from other countries or best practices from a health perspective? Yes, and there's both the way the data is tracking and then all of the complementary measures that you're going to um, assure are in place as you reopen. Uh, workplace level standards for minimizing contact and maintaining distance between individuals, uh, the tiering of different workplaces according to their, their risks of interaction with the public. And as I said, you know, widespread testing and workplace level protocols to identify any spread of the disease and uh, intervene when you see any uh, hot spot in the, in the transmission. But I mean, the, we, we do need to balance risks and, you know, BC has been doing very active testing, uh, has, a, it seems, a good, uh, good handle on how many cases there are um, uh, within the population. One, two of the metrics that we would look at to determine whether, you know, testing is fairly robust is just how many cases are being confirmed out of the tests that are being done and how widespread testing has been uh, across the population. And BC scores on, on particular the uh, number of confirmed cases per tests pretty, pretty well. Um, it seems that uh, you're identifying uh, many of the cases, many of the cases that are, that are out there. And if there's some um, certainty around the degree of caseload growth, you can begin to uh, open up certain sectors gradually in a, in a risk managed way while holding the degree of transmission down. We've heard, as I mentioned off the top, that BC is looking to start reopening the economy this week. We're still waiting on those details, but does it make sense that we're starting to see maybe that gradual reopening this week, given the success that we've had in the testing and the numbers that we've had in terms of transmission? Well, I mean, governments have to be expressed about what the risks are. And, and the other part of this is the buffer capacity within the healthcare system. And, and that's very much a local determination um, since, since caseloads are inherently transmitted locally. But what, what governments have been doing is telegraphing the staging of the reopening so that businesses have something to anchor their expectations around. They 
uh, have certainty around what the indicators governments are going to look at are and the the preconditions for easing of of, of a restrictions sequentially that's good because it then allows businesses to plan um, and even knowing that there are going to be uncertainties have a contingent uh, commitment around which to uh, to manage the the way they resume and, and stage up to resuming uh, their uh, their business activity. What level of responsibility do businesses bear in this when it comes to ensuring that they're following government guidelines, but also having plans in place in case things change and we have to maybe pull back a gradual reopening or something like that? Well, right. And I mean, we're all in this together and governments have been clear that you know, the, the continued reopening is contingent on containing the virus spread and ensuring that our healthcare systems are not overwhelmed. Uh, businesses, therefore, need to be active participants in ensuring that physical distancing uh, as they're serving clients is maintained, uh, occupancy limits and workplace health and safety measures are, are in place in order to uh, to mitigate any possibility of transmission in the given workplaces. I mean, we have seen outbreaks in certain essential sectors. Um, the the response has been to close those workplaces and and uh, you know rapidly identify where there may have been transmission. That's the kind of protocol that uh, businesses do need to have in place to be able to respond rapidly if they become a vector for transmission. Mm -hmm. Any sense of how governments might be prioritizing the parts of the economy they reopen? Of course, so many people have had their jobs and livelihoods impacted, but you could also look at the implications for healthcare or other essential services or education. Uh, if you're not opening everything all at once, do you know how governments are maybe making those difficult decisions? Well, and, and certainly there is wide awareness that uh, in opening, in order to open the economy broadly, schools and daycares need to be back in action so that um, parents can be able to uh, go to their jobs. That said, you know, there, there are concerns by parents about returning their, their kids to environments where they um, could be exposed. Um, Alberta has, for example, uh, where, where I live, has made the decision uh, that they won't open schools as the immediate phase. In some ways, that also checks the pace of return to work and allows governments, at least in stage one of reopening, to ensure that they have a handle on the degree of transmission. But schools opening are an essential complement to wider economic activity resuming. And of course, schools reopening uh, are essential to children resuming learning. There's much international evidence that time away from school uh, is costly, particularly costly to long-term um, human capital and earning ability for uh, children once once they enter the workforce years hence. 
And, you know, that is particularly afflicted on lower income students where parents may not have the resources to invest in, in their education, whether now or, um, you know, through, through uh, further schooling. The, the issue, uh, therefore, of returning students to school so that they can, um, they can resume their, their education is, is both uh, enabling for uh, the workforce uh, returning to workplace activity and uh, students getting what they need from school. Absolutely. Uh, we know in some cases, unfortunately, even if, say, restaurants in BC are allowed to reopen under certain conditions, there might be businesses that simply don't reopen their doors because they've gone under or they're no longer a viable business. Are governments doing anything to potentially support businesses on the verge in addition to all of the supports that have already been announced for business? Well, we, I mean, certainly governments have stepped up with unprecedented packages to bridge businesses and households through this extraordinary contraction uh, in the economy. We have probably seen a peak to trough uh, economic contraction of around 20%. I mean, that is an, an unprecedented um, contraction uh, in, in economic history. Even in the worst months of the Great Depression, uh, we did not see as immediate employment losses or likely economic contraction as we have in this. And as you say, it has been led by service sector employment and output. There are many you know, functions that in, in the goods producing part of the economy, manufacturing can continue. Um, many professional services have, you know, perhaps not with as great productivity, but moved to work from home through remote technology readily. But those that human to human services, retail, uh, restaurants, those have, have been the location of the greatest contraction in employment. Um, because they they are uh, what folks most avoid, and of course, what governments have um, put restrictions on. As you say, those will not be likely quick to recover, even if governments do take off restrictions, and uh, they governments are likely to move very slow with uh, slow and carefully with those sorts of services where there is great potential for human-to-human -human interaction. As a consequence, I think looking forward, governments are going to have a challenge to both bridge uh, businesses like those in the accommodation and food services sector over a longer period of um, depression of demand, as well you know, to buoy overall demand in the economy. Um, to close what economists call the output gap. Governments are going to have to think of intervening, um, inter intervening in some creative and, um, and extraordinary ways. You know, another place in the economy that we've seen a terrific downdraft uh, is, is, is of course in the energy sector, particularly petroleum producers. That is a huge contribution to the investment part of our economy. Um, it drives a great share of economic growth, the capital expenditure that is being done in the energy sector. And as there has been pullback 
on that in the past years and now an extraordinary contraction as well that with the outlook for petroleum produce, petroleum prices would be expected to last, something is going to need to fill that unused capacity in the economy. And I think that is where governments are also looking to infrastructure investment, government capital expenditures and government incentives for uh, capital expenditures by the business sector to um, support economic growth as we move into recovery. Interesting. In, uh, in closing, I suppose, is there anything businesses and business leaders should expect from the months ahead? There's so much uncertainty. And as we've been speaking about, things could change even if there is a plan in place. Is the answer to not have any expectations? Or are there a few things we can reasonably maybe expect to see in the months ahead? Right. And I mean, expect the unexpected is certainly the <laughs> theme of, of this crisis and certainly will be into recovery. We are going to have some tough conversations around what government does, what sectors they support, what companies they, they help bridge and which companies they let fail. Um, business should look to the plans that governments have articulated as contingent commitments and governments should continue to flesh them out with the sort of details and target timelines uh, that enable businesses to plan. But these are, of course, going to be contingent, um, contingent on how we continue to contain this disease. To that end, I mean, governments have to be more transparent with the data that they're getting on the epidemiology of this disease, as well as with the um, economic indicators at a high frequency um, that business can use to be begin to see where we're turning the corner. Uh, you know, banks, for example, have started releasing aggregated credit card spending data that gives a bit of an insight into how consumption patterns are, well, consumption patterns have, have contracted and uh, hopefully now are coming back. We at the C.D. Howe Institute have created a dashboard uh, that your viewers can visit online at dashboard.cdhow.org that has a number of these economic uh, indicators, everything from weekly rail shipments to power demand in B.C., Alberta, and Ontario, um, that, that provide a bit of a tracking of how things are going. You know, but governments have to also release things like EI claims, um, other administrative data sets around insolvencies that will help businesses see where we are uh, so that we're not trying to drive looking in the rearview mirror, but have a better sense of the turning points as we encounter them. Well said, Grant. A pleasure speaking with you. Thanks so much for joining the show. Thank you for having me, Haley. That's Grant Bishop, Associate Director of Research at the C.D. Howe Institute. You've been watching Coping with COVID-19. Thanks for watching. We'll be back tomorrow with another video.